Welcome to the Crazy Love Podcast. When you worship the Lord, how easy is it for you to forget about everyone else in the room and express yourself with all your heart to God without feeling self-conscious? For a lot of us, that can be really difficult. Well, in today's message, Francis describes the depth of love that God has for his children and calls us to a joy that should blow our minds as we go and serve the Lord with gladness. What a fascinating symbol this is. Oneness with Christ, the Creator. We are one with the Creator. I hope that news has not gotten old to you. It is amazing what we get to do. You know, this last week we finished reading uh, Second Chronicles and we read about all the, the different kings and the, the different things that they did, good and bad, mainly bad, some just horribly wicked. Um, and just, you know, because I know some of you are newer to the scriptures and you're reading about all these kings and might not understand how it flows, and you have these, these prophets who lived at the same time as some of these kings and they would be preaching to the people. So they weren't the rulers, they were just kind of the preachers. It's kind of like uh, Biden is president and I'm preaching during that time. Well, here are the guys that are, the prophets were the people that were preaching during the times of those kings. And we read about King Josiah, who was that awesome king, right? Who started when he was like eight years old and just reformed everything after a few years. Um, but right before him was a guy that only lasted like two years. He was terrible. Before that was uh, Manasseh, who spent like 50 years as a horrible, horrible person and horrible king, wicked, evil, but then repents at the end of his life. You know, it, it's, it's so interesting. You got all these guys that had, you know, like did really well and then blew it at the end. And then you have Manasseh, who was a terrible person, but then pulled it together at the end. And meanwhile, during that time, there was a guy that was preaching named Zephaniah. Zephaniah preached during the time of, you know, probably towards the end of Manasseh's time and during the beginning um, of, Je of Josiah's time. And I was just reading through Zeph Zephaniah and studying it this week because there was a passage that... Uh, I'm like, God, I want to believe this. I, even during worship, I'm like, I we believe this. I might believe this with all my heart. Because if I believe this, it changes everything. It should change everything. And I believe it, you know, like I believe it in here, but my whole heart, I want it. Uh, Zephaniah chapter 3, some of you are familiar with this, starting in verse 14. Okay, this, this verse 14 he says, he gives some commands. Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. Now, honestly, we're not very good at this. Okay? Um, sing aloud. We're not good at singing loud. Um, I'm just saying, in our church, in our nation, you go to Brazil, you go to Africa, you go, you know, some of these places, and it is just 
they are screaming. I mean, it is just, it's, it's amazing. You see the joy on their face when it says, uh, rejoice and exult with all your heart. Okay, what would it look like if you rejoiced and exulted with all of your heart? Okay, I get it. This is our, it's, some of it is just our culture, right? In America, we want to be cool. We want to be reserved. We don't want people looking at us. We're very self-conscious. And so everyone's kind of, the, the safe thing to do is to sit back. If you just kind of sit back, you don't make a fool of yourself. You don't make a spectacle of yourself. So we just feel like that's the safe thing to do is I'm not going to look like a fool. So you just kind of sit there. This is just our culture. This is the way we are raised. But this is not the scriptures. And I'm telling you, I've had to fight this. There have been times, I remember the first time I preached in uh, Australia, okay? And I'm telling you, everyone in the room is just out of control, jumping to the music, you know, screaming. And I'm just like, I just couldn't do it. You know, I was raised real conservative Chinese, you know, I'm doing my homework. You know, it's just jumping up and down, screaming. And I was the only one in the room. And I'm like, oh, this feels so awkward. This is so not me. You know, I mean, certain countries, it's like they've got this down. And it was interesting, you know, there have been a few times lately where I'm just saying, God, would you, I just want to be humble. I want to be humble because you say, humble yourself and in the sight of the Lord and he'll exalt you. It says he gives grace to the humble. And I'm going, God, I want to bless these people. I want to see your grace in this room. So I'm just going to try to be as humble as possible. And by the end of the night, I was on the stage with the worship team. I'm jumping up and down, screaming, you know, and realizing, wow, God, you did it. This is the most humble thing I could do. To just forget about myself, how I appear, and just worship you with all of my heart, exalt you in worship. And as I was jumping down and screaming and, you know, dancing around the stage, I'm going, wow, this is the most humiliating thing I could, I didn't even realize it. God, you answered my prayer. You humbled me. And you, we don't normally think of a guy going, ah, you know, as, as being humble. But that's exactly it because it's, it's just, God, I don't care. I am so crazy about you. I am so blown away by everything you've done in my life. I'm going to celebrate you. And that's what he's saying here. He goes, I want you to exult. I want you to scream. I want you to shout, O Israel, O daughter of Jerusalem. Why? Because the next verse, verse 15, the Lord has taken away the judgments against you. Man. Okay, if we really understood that we were by nature objects of wrath, 
If you knew how to dissect that passage and go, I was by very nature an object for God to pour his wrath upon me because I've done some disgusting things. I've said some horrible things. I've thought some just perverted, evil, just cruel things, murderous thoughts. I deserve the wrath of God. I am by nature an object of wrath, but God being rich because I have a God who is rich in mercy because of this great love with which he loved me. That when I was a sinner, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, we've been saved. I mean, if I understood that, and he's just removed all that judgment from me, then I would sing aloud. I would shout. I would rejoice. I would exult with all of my heart. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you, and he has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil now this is um it's tricky because when you read the prophets you you often go is he talking about the period of time he lived in is he talking about the period of time i'm living in is he talking about some future event and usually the answer is yes okay usually there is a fulfillment in the sense of this is, remember, Josiah is kind of reforming this thing. And even though, you know, he may have preached this, Ephraim may have preached this during the time of Manasseh when everything was horrible. He's saying, no, this time is coming. And he talks about this remnant, you know, in, in verses, I think, 11 and 12 that are going to survive and they're going to be pure. And he could have been talking about Josiah's day and saying, look, there's going to be this time of peace where he's going to forgive you of all this garbage you've been doing for the last 50 years, and we're going to have this time. But I also believe that what prophets would do is they're speaking into the future as well of what Christ was going to do on the cross. And I believe, you know, this is my best understanding. He's also talking about our future when Christ is going to return and reign, and we don't have to worry anymore. It makes me so nice to see him. You know, I'm reading today about, you know, is Russia, you know, about to do a nuclear strike? Is Ukraine going to do this? Who's China with? Who's, you know, like, like Marcus was saying, you can just go, ah, oh, what's going to happen? And it's like, don't worry about it. Really, don't worry about it. We know the king is coming back, and I can't wait for that. But we don't have to worry again. He says, we're... He's cleared away all your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst, right? We read about that in Revelation, about how Christ actually walks with us, like it's back like the garden again, where, where, where God walked with Adam and Eve. He says, God is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil, which is true now, right? Through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, God is in our midst right now. And I don't have to fear sin. I don't have to fear wickedness. That's why he says, when everything's falling apart, he tells the believers, at that time, lift up your heads because your redemption is near. When everything looks like it's falling apart, we're okay. 
We've got this because the Lord is in our midst and we don't have to fear evil. On that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion. Let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. Okay. This is all going on. I got to believe this. I got to believe this. This is so awesome. The Lord your God is in your midst. Do you believe the God of the universe is in our midst right now? He's the king. He's the only immortal one. He's the one that's keeping the earth spinning and flying around the sun and the universe doing whatever it does. Everything happening. And he's in our midst. A mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. You know, we're saying, come on, let's have joy today. You know, let's make the... God is rejoicing over us in gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. See, I, I have never really thought about this. I saw myself like, come on, God, I want to exult over you with loud singing. I want to let myself go and sing to you and dance for you and jump for you and shout for you. But the thought of God saying, I exult over you with loud singing. Do you ever picture your God rejoicing over you with gladness and him celebrating, exulting over us, rejoicing with loud singing? That, that verse, Psalm 100, I'm so glad Marcus chose that. Again, it's not planned. He just chose it. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. That is the same word that is used in this passage of God making a joyful noise over us. That's insane. Who am I to have the God of the universe making a joyful noise over me? Are you kidding me right now? And, and I'm, I'm looking at these words, and I'm going, okay, what, what is this like? I mean, it's God in our midst, and he's the one rejoicing over me. He's the one quieting me by his love, and he's the one exulting over me with loud singing. I'm like, God, I don't get that. I don't get that. And then God brought to mind Anna Dice. I, this is what I thought. We call her dice because her head looks like a dice. It's very square. And, but this is, this is like, you just want to roll it. Um, but the, um, I remember like after she was born, like, you know, Lisa was there at the birth, you know, Marcy was there too. And uh, 
but she just came home like, you know, just so excited. And every time she would see that, and she would, uh, she would just be, oh gosh, I'm just so attached to her. It just, I'm so happy. It just, you know, she would just talk about this and then seeing Peter and Mercy, like what, what everyone just like, oh you know, like you just are crazy about her, right? And then when she's sad, it's like, oh, no, 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 don't cry. It's just that picture. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> See, she it. She used to cry. She used to not like me. Didn't I like her more wonder too. So, I'm not that much of a baby guy, but the idea is... It's like, God, do I believe that about you? That you're making such a fuss over me. Exulting over me? You're making a joyful noise? You're you have this loud singing. It's amazing. I'm just picturing the God of the universe singing loudly over Jarrell and just you know, like with Anne, just like, ah, that type of emotion, that type of feeling. God's doing that with Ray, just singing over him, exulting over him, rejoicing. God's doing that with Sarah, just quieting her with his love. It's a powerful thought. And if we really believed that he not only freed us from this judgment, but the God of the universe is screaming over Melissa right now, screaming over us, what is it even like for God to sing loudly and to make a joyful noise? can't even imagine but it's in the scriptures so we got to believe it and we know in our heads but it's like God I know if I really believe this I would dance I would scream I would shout I'd be okay even though I'm American so this is our our last Friday night that we're going to do for a while here, all together. And it happens to be our biggest one with all the energy. <laughs> we're like, honey, we shouldn't. You know, but, but if the thing is like we had half this amount where it's like, I don't think people from San Francisco can come and, and a lot of the San Francisco people can't make it. And, and we kind of stopped the midweek uh, prayer meetings and, you know, so that everyone could be together for a season, but then it was like too hard for them to get here. And so they're like, gosh, and we kind of canceled their 
prayer gathering. So let's, let's go back. Let's do, you know, Fremont can do their own thing. EPA will do their own thing. San Francisco do their own thing. And then we'll get together occasionally and do this. But let's have three different worship sets or let, let's see what Fremont does. Is it, you know, we'll just figure it out, but give some leadership. Um, but part of it, too, is we always wanted to be a church that was living by faith where we're doing things um, because we believe in God. But even as your pastor, like I, um, as a pastor, I should say, because I'm not all of your pastor, but uh, the idea is I get so much pleasure when I am doing what I know I was made to do. And it's actually helping people. And it's actually blessing them and changing their lives. There's nothing like it. I, I mean, if I, if I can't do that, I'm like, what am I going to do all day? Well, just work a job and surf and golf or what? You know, like what? It's when you go, God is actually using me to bless other people. This is insane. I love it. And the Bible says our job as leaders is to equip you to do the work of the service. And there's just something about when all of us are living by faith. And in fact, in fact, Ephesians says it's when every part is working properly, then the body actually grows. Not when a few people are working, then will the body truly grow spiritually in every way and mature, but it's when every part is working properly. And so we just feel like, okay, some of you need to start some new things that scare you. Um, to take a chance at something, believing that the Holy Spirit is in you, I mean, I, I want you to find whatever that is. This is not just about all of us coming together and gathering in one place. We want to do that occasionally, but then there's times when we go, we scatter, and we try things in faith, and we do what we were created to do. And that's why we prayed last week for the Holy Spirit to fall upon you in a way where you start to get vision for what you were made for. Otherwise, what happens in church is people start sitting around and then they just start criticizing what's going on up front. And that's happening everywhere. I'm like, well, I don't really like it. I'm going to go somewhere else. And it's like, that was never what the church was supposed to be. Everyone was supposed to be filled with the Spirit and, and understand their God-given calling. And I want to share this passage that really helped me. Um, gosh, this was probably 25 years ago. Went away in the woods, opened my Bible, and, you know, just see where it would fall, and it fell on Jeremiah 1. And interestingly, Jeremiah was also preaching during the time of Josiah. And Jeremiah says some things like in Jeremiah chapter 1, starting in verse 4, it says, The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. I've shared this with some of you before, that God said to Jeremiah, Look, before I even formed you, I knew you. I remember sitting in the woods, I was actually right next to a little stream, and I read that, and I'm like, 
what? That doesn't make sense. Before you formed me, you knew me? I just sat there meditating on that. Before you formed me, you knew me. I ended up being out in the woods for like four days straight with not seeing another human being. Just one human being, but I ran away from him. I just wanted to be alone with God, and I ended up meditating on this passage for four days, and it was life-changing. Because I thought, wait, God, are you telling me you knew me before you made me? Was this Jeremiah, or is this me also? And then I thought, no, Ephesians 2.10 says, we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which he determined beforehand that we should walk in them. I was like, oh, this squares with the New Testament, that he knew before I was born what he wanted me to do. That's crazy. And he says, Jeremiah, I knew you before I made you. That's, that's, that's like this. Someone thought ahead of time in his head, what was needed was a microphone stand. So you clip it right here, it can go up and down, it's got three legs, collapses, does it all, you can fit it in your pocket. You know, it's just, but he had it in his head ahead of time, like, this is what the world needs. So then he gets all the materials and he manufactures this. And I know there's more to it, but you know what I mean? It was, I knew it before I made it. So in other words, God was telling Jeremiah, I knew what was going to happen during the reign of Josiah. I knew what was going to happen after that. And I needed someone. And so I made you. I knew what I was making before I made you. That's awesome. Isn't that incredible? And when I've read that, I'm just going, wait, so you knew? Because he says... He goes, before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. So you're telling me, God, before I came out of my mother's womb, you already knew what I was going to be, and you already had plans for me? And maybe this means more to me, because my mother died while she was giving birth to me. So I'm thinking, God, you knew my mom was going to die but you wanted me on the earth because there was something I was going to do. I was made for this. I was designed for this. You knew me before you made me. It's not like this just showed up one day and we go, what do we do with it? No, someone had a design for it. And it's like, it's the same thing with me. It's not like I was born and God goes, Chinese baby six billion and four. What do we do with it? it? It's not, it's not like this afterthought. He says, no, before I even made you, I knew what I was making. And before you came out of your mother's womb, I knew you were going to be standing on that stage in San Mateo in 2023. I knew you were going to be in Asia during COVID. I knew you were going to do this big old church Southern California. I knew you, I knew you were going to, Mary, this hot, Miss Teen California, amen. Um, 
seven kids, four grandkids, little dice. I knew all of that ahead of time. And then it's all planned out. And you just go, that's incredible. Because how many days of my childhood did I look in the mirror and just think, I am so weird. I am so different than everyone else. No one cares if I live or die. I am so strange. Parents didn't want me. Family didn't want me. Failed at so many things. And then you open up God's Word and He says, I knew you. You are no accident. Even if your parents said, yeah, you were an accident, God goes, no, you weren't an accident. I knew you. And I appointed you as a prophet before you were even born. I knew what I wanted you to do on this earth. That's what Ephesians 2.10 says. Where is workmanship, his craftsmanship? But Jeremiah's response is, I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I don't know how to speak. I'm only a child. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I'm only a youth. For, you sh for to all to whom I send you, you shall go, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. See, Jeremiah played the little insecure game and like, well, I'm just a kid. And God says, don't you say that. Don't you say you're just... Same thing he said to Moses. Remember when he called Moses? And Moses says, blah, blah, send Aaron, send Aaron, send Aaron. I, 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 I stutter, my speech not good. And he goes, and what did he say to Moses? Oh, you're so humble. No, he said, who made your mouth? Were you saying your mouth doesn't work right? Did you create your own mouth? See, it's one thing if you made your own mouth. I know some people inject things, but it, it, it's, I, I get it if you, you know, then you're being humble. <laughs> Said to throw it in there. But uh, no offense if you did it. And the, the whole idea is you didn't make your mouth. Look, I've played this game. I've been in rooms with biblical scholars, and I was the village idiot. And I walk away just going, gosh, I'm so dumb. Why did you make me smarter? I'm in rooms with powerful leaders. They just know what to do. They just seem in control. I'm like, why didn't you make me a better leader? My house is filled with worship leaders. Have you ever heard me sing? I mean, it's just brutal. And... And then you just go, why couldn't, why, 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 why? And then you read this and go, never mind. My brain is exactly as smart as it's supposed to be. I like it. I'm good with it. You know, my voice, I actually like my voice. It's kind of raspy, but it's, you know, it's just more the rocker feel. You know, I... But there have been times where I'm like, why am I not as intelligent as that guy? Why, why is all I am is sexy? 
You know, like, why? No, just kidding. The, the whole thing is like, what am I? What is my gift? I, I'm not this, I'm not that. We all play this game. And at some point you just go, nope, I'm exactly the way God made me. And he has an exact plan for me. And he knew that before I even came out of my mother's womb and he thought about it ahead of time. It, it'd be like if, if this music stands, this is what we do in the church. I wish I could hold a microphone. And you're just like, that's not what you're supposed to do. Look what you can do. He can't do that. It's just this whole idea of we compare. We compare, you know? And I, I'm like, man, why can't I be Fisher size? Like, I just want to be big. You know, like, I want to be this. I want to be that. And it just, no, I made you for this purpose. That person's going to do that thing that I designed him for. But when you and your soul, at the core of your being, believe these words, you're like, I was made by God. He knew what he was making before he made me. And he designed me for a specific task. And here I am. You just wake up and go, what are you going to do with me today? What did you design me for today? And you couple that with what we talked about last week and the Holy Spirit of God being inside of us, that type of power. So I'm made for this. I've got God inside of me. This is why we want you to go and figure out what is it? What am I made for? Yeah, there'll be times when we gather, but we're designed to go do something, create something, make something. And this is that season in my life, you know, where I'm just going, man, I just want to cheer you on, the leaders in our church. I'm just like, gosh, I want to support you. I want to see what you guys become. And that's what the elders want to do right now is just say, go, take some steps of faith. Try it to see what happens. I know at Stanford, you guys are trying some things. It's like, man, just keep going for it. I know the, the Kims and Matt Chan have been walking around knocking doors on, on every, every single block in, uh, in, in San Mateo and just trying to, in the, in the hardest neighborhood, just going, let me just try and pray and see what happens. You just go. I know some of you guys are at Berkeley. You're just like, where is he going to go to Berkeley? And just try to start talking to people. See what happens. And some people are like, okay, we're going to just open this cafe and just, just try to get Christian discussion going on there. And, and well, great, go for it. Like, just think, how has God made you? And then go out and do those things that scare you. If you go, God, unless you come through, this is just going to be dumb. Nothing's going to happen. But I know it was made for something. And the interesting thing about this is if you skip down um, verses that I give you at the end, okay, um, 17. Okay. But you dress yourself for the work. Arise and say to them everything that I command you. 
I love this verse. Do not be dismayed by them, lest I dismay you before them. Okay, NIV says, do not be terrified by them, lest I terrify you in front of them. It's like, you're going to be afraid? I'll give you something to be afraid of. It's like, wow, okay, I will not be afraid. And he says, next verse, and I behold, I make you this day a fortified city, an iron pillar, and bronze walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but they will not prevail against you, for I am with you, declares the Lord, to deliver you. Okay, God says, it's not about you. He says, I'm going to be with you and put words in your mouth. Don't be afraid. You just say it. I'm with you. The interesting thing about this story, though, and this is what we've got to catch. What does he tell Jeremiah? Who's going to be against him? The clones, officials, priests, and all the people. <laughs> he goes, but don't worry about it. I'm with you. And if you know about Jeremiah's whole life, there were no converts. And this is where I think we can get screwy as the church in America. We assume if we don't see revival, we are failures. Well, join the crowd. This book then is full of failures. No, these are people who are faithful to God's word. There are times of revival and there's other times of just survival. And we don't know where, when, what, what we're in. There's no guarantee. Like when I say, go, do what you're, that doesn't mean like tons of people are going to follow you. That may not be true. No one followed Jeremiah. God just gave him that whole speech. So what was he made for? To declare a sermon that no one was going to listen to? Yep. We get all fired up. Isaiah 6, 8, here I am, send me. Remember Isaiah? Send me. And God goes, okay, you. But no one's going to listen to you. It's like, what? Yeah, go. I am sending you. But no one's going to listen to you. There's no guarantee of American success. In fact, Paul told Timothy in the last days, they won't put up with sound doctrine. In fact, people will go and they'll search for teachers who will tell them what their itching ears want to hear. So he's telling Timothy, look, I'm not guaranteeing revival here. He goes, but you got to keep preaching. And they'll probably leave you because they won't put up with sound doctrine. They'll go to the church down the street where they're like, hey, divorce is fine. Go ahead, divorce your wife. I'd leave her. You know, go. You know, I'll sleep with him and her. Who cares? You know, they'll find someone to tell them what they want to hear, but they won't put up with sound doctrine. They won't put up with it. That doesn't sound like revival to me. It's just different. When Jesus had his disciples, that's why in Luke 10, verse 20, in Luke 10, when he sends out his disciples and they're like healing people, they're casting demons out, they're like, Jesus, oh my gosh, even the demons, even the spirit submit to us. And Jesus, hey, 
Don't rejoice that the demons submit to you. Rejoice that your name is written in heaven. This is why you rejoice, because there may come days when you're out doing ministry and you're just rejected, 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 and you're not seeing that power manifest in the same way. So if your joy is based upon that, you're, you're going to be discouraged. You'll quit. That's why you rejoice that your name is written in heaven. That's why the Bible says rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in what? Ministry, growth, revival. Of course we'll have some joy in that. But he goes, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice that God is singing over me right now. That he's looking down, you know, like, like, like Lisa holding her grandkid, like, like Peter holding his baby, like, you know, that's what should be causing rejoicing always. And people go, but you don't understand. My life is hard. You guys, Paul wrote that from prison. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Probably the most joyful person I know is, is uh, my, my friend Johnny, Johnny Erickson Tata. She has been a quadriplegic for like 60 years now. And every day, you know, someone's picking her out of the bed, cleaning her off, putting her in the chair, you know, feeding her. The most joyful, worshipful. I used to remember the time she, and then she got cancer, and then she had all these body aches, and then she got pneumonia all at once as a quadriplegic. And I get a letter from her encouraging me. And I'm like, you're kidding me. I don't encourage people when I've got a cold. I mean, it's just, we're just, so this is not, oh, rejoice because everything's going great. No, what did I, like I shared at the school, consider all joy when you're surrounded by trials. That's what James says. See, we're supposed to be people who rejoice. Not because ministry's going well, life's going well, but because we're, we've got a God who's singing loudly over us, and he rejoices over us. That's such a weird one-way relationship, right? When God is rejoicing and singing over us, and we're not reciprocating. That's the weirdest thing to me. When I saw that, I'm like, wow, that is crazy. But that's what leads us to rejoice. So we go out, we try these things. Maybe we fail, you know, in our own minds, or, or we don't see the revival that we wanted. God's celebrating us. We're doing what we're called to do, and we rejoice in that. You guys, we just... Aren't you just attracted to people who have a life? You know? And then there's others that just bum you out. Right? And the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. I mean, that's number two is joy. And I know I've heard people say, hey, don't be so hard on... 
you know, people that are depressed, they're already depressed, and now you're telling them they shouldn't be. I get that. Okay, there may be seasons in our lives. But if that's just the countenance of your life, man, out of love for you, I'm saying something is wrong inside. Something in your mind is off. And I want you delivered from that. Because when you understand these things that I'm talking about, it trumps a lot of the stuff and the pain and the difficulties you've gone through. And you can suddenly be in prison saying, Rejoice in the Lord always. And I'll say it again, rejoice. You can be a quadriplegic for 50, 60 years. And, I mean, we can't spend five minutes with her without her just bursting into song, worshiping God. Why? Because something happened inside that is just this joy. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And, again, we're a, we're a church that I think we're good at uh, sometimes even confronting sin um, and people repenting and everything else. But it's interesting, you know that verse, the joy of the Lord is our strength? It's in Jeremiah 8, and the context of that is very interesting because the people were confronted with their sin and they're crying and, they're, and, and, and he's saying, no, 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 don't weep, don't weep. You know, it is a time to celebrate. This is a, this is a holy day. It was also the, the Feast of Trumpets at that time. But, he, it, but that's when he makes a statement, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Like there is a time, once you've mourned over your sin, don't stay there, okay? God is celebrating you. There is a time, Paul says there's a godly sorrow that leads to repentance. That sorrow should lead you to repentance. But once you confess that sin, he says he's faithful and just to forgive you of that sin and cleanse you from all. Once there's that moment of repentance, it's like stop. Celebrate now. The joy of the Lord is our strength. How do we stay strong and survive everything that's going on in the world? The joy of the Lord. Rejoicing in the Lord always. Knowing that he's exalting over me and rejoicing over me. I'm going to rejoice right back at him. <laughs> oh, wow. You're celebrating me right now. I'm celebrating you. I mean, just, we are one. Like, you guys, we have a lot to celebrate. And I get it. We live in a negative world where everyone's critical and everyone's canceling each other. But in the church, that's not us. We have a God who's celebrating us. And so when we come together, we celebrate Him. And we rejoice in Him always. And I'll say it again, rejoice. So I'm going to have the worship team come up. And man, it has been a great season here on Friday nights. God's done a lot these last few months. And we as elders just believe now this is a season where we go out in the power of the Spirit. We're created for these things. And, but, you know, we, we started this saying, this is for Him. 
We, we want him to look down and see us celebrating him, worshiping him with reverence and awe, at the same time understanding we're coming before his holy throne of grace, where we receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. And last week we talked about the Spirit of God indwelling us, that amazing miracle. And now it's like we celebrate. You were made by Him, designed for something. And we believe in this next season as we leave here, He's going to reveal gifts you didn't even know you had to benefit the body, to give you visions, to reach your schools, your neighborhoods, your workplace, your friends, strangers. We're just going to go out in faith and go, no, I was made for something. I'm not a failure. Let's just kick out all those demonic thoughts that may have been spoken to you by people who call themselves Christians or maybe even your own parents. It's like, that's not of the Lord. We've all had things said about us that we know are lies, that the Word of God cleanses at. You were made by Him and for Him. And He doesn't mess up when He creates someone. He has a purpose. It may look different from mine. We may look completely different. But you got a purpose. Just go after it. Go after it. It's so fun. This is what life is about. Thank you for listening to the Crazy Love Podcast. Join us next time for a new episode, but until then, for more resources from Crazy Love Ministries or to support the work of Crazy Love, please visit our website at crazylove.org.